Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, the podcast where we talk about the culture we love that society sometimes makes us feel ashamed of. My name is Caroline and you've sung my song at karaoke, but you don't even know my last name. Joining me is a man who was voted most likely to have an obscure chart hit by a secondary school graduating class. It's Harry Harris. That's true as well. It's so rare when I write these little intros that something is true. <laughs> it's so rare. I've listened to a lot of them. You, these, these podcasts always start with a bald-faced lie. <laughs> and yeah, um, give give me some background on that because you just told me that today. I've known you for twelve right, yeah. years, and I've, you just told me that today, and I, yeah. I had to like contain myself. Um. So yeah. Uh. To what? Uh, it was like sixth form. So we had like a end of year awards, and I think our class was the first class to do them. And I think because there were a few other people in my year who were like in bands or did some music, but I think I was the one who. Everyone was like, oh, Harry does music. That's Harry's thing. Harry, I think mm. I'd, made an, I'd made an EP at this point and I'd started doing gigs in and around town. Like, I'm from a really small town in Mid Wales. So, like, there was a little town nearby where we do lots of gigs and stuff, me and my brother and a few other people. And so I think, and because I was playing, like, folk music, which wasn't big at the time, mm-hmm. and, like, singer-songwriter music and all the bands I listened to. Let's uh, put, put a year on this. What was your year that you graduated? Oh, 2005, 2006? Yeah, yeah. yeah I went so to that, that's pre so. the Mumford and Sons, Laura Marling. Very pre that. So when, you're, when, you're call, when your peers voted you, like, most likely to have a one-hit wonder. Which, yeah, essentially. Obviously, oh, yeah, Obscure Charted. Um, did you feel like... Because I remember thinking, because I wasn't obviously, you know... You and I know each other because uh, we played in a band together for many years. And actually, I think a lot about in my sort of like weird fantasy head of like sentimental garbage becoming a global empire and also franchised pub quiz. (laughs) I think about asking the question, who has whose voice has appeared the most on sentimental garbage? And everyone's scurrying at their tables and being like, it's Ella Risbridge. No, no, it's Dolly Alderton. Or no, maybe it's Jen County. But actually, the answer would be Harry Harris. It's me. Because you wrote and recorded the jingle to this podcast and all the jingles for this podcast. I did. Do, 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 do. It's that. That's me. It's me. So, like, so in a sense, you actually have had an obscure chart hit. I know. This <laughs> Just is on the Apple under. podcast charts. <laughs> Very ha- I'm happy with it. <laughs> Delighted by that. Yeah. But um, yeah, you and I like both uh, played music together for a long time and we still do when we have the time. Um, but uh, I, I would have thought that if, you know, if I was 17 and sort of playing guitar and writing songs a bit and somebody said that I would have a one hit wonder one day. To me, I, I don't didn't have a lot of shame associated with that moniker because almost all of my favourite songs when I was 17 were one-hit wonders. Yeah, exactly the same. Um, no, no shame attached to it. And I think because, like, they they are they 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 just were all really good. And I, and I never... And I still don't know why a lot of them didn't kind of take off in the way that, like, other bands did. Um, mm. 
or like take off to the level where where they would have like another chart hit or they would they would um become more famous particularly when they were famous in other countries like a lot of the one hit wonders that I really liked when I was growing up were American bands or imported over Mm. and who because I was I guess that way inclined I would then go and like research who these American bands were and it turned out they were like all really like the Dave Matthews band were massive in America and I think Mm. they had maybe one hit over here it's called The Space Between uh good good song like but like all the ones all the big American hits like Crash Into Me that was on Lady Bird like not too long ago I don't think that ever charted over here I don't think it were ever big over here and the same with like Counting Crows like yeah. obviously I love very much I don't think they had a a hit over here at all really um but then, prob- probably not until like the Shrek soundtrack the Shrek soundtrack yeah, yeah. Uh, that's it um you know Stacey's mom Fighting as Wayne big hit over here but they were they'd had three or four albums over in America by that point um Chick to China one week by the Binnick ladies really massive band in Canada but yeah well this so, this is this yeah. is an interesting question actually because um the 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 question what makes a one hit wonder is actually dependent on the listeners in some cases um the listeners sort of knowledge or depth of music like i'm sure there are people out there who would say like for example tracy chapman is a one hit mm. wonder because fast car is so enormous that it dwarfs the rest of her contribution when actually her her contribution is very great do you know what i mean she's had an incredible career yeah so that's a really, what, that's a good what one, makes yeah. it then so i think for me because there are like i guess technical one hit wonders that you just you listen you're like oh well then clearly not like um blink 182 only charted once in america all the small things is their only song to hit and make the billboard hot 100 wow which has been of which and but nobody's calling blink 182 a one hit wonder um i say weezer weezer the, the only song they ever charted with was uh, beverly hills so like you know buddy holly didn't chart even though buddy, buddy holly like, didn't chart nope um jimmy hendrix jimmy hendrix only ever charted with one song nobody's calling Jimi Hendrix a one-hit wonder so I think it's 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 not that is it it's not no. a one-hit wonder isn't just a band that only charted once I think it's it's a song that kind of cuts through uh whatever else is happening at the moment and kind of captures a kind of it sends everyone into a sort of a bit of a fugue state like the end of perfume <laughs> where everyone smells the perfume and starts having an orgy it's like that but with a song <laughs> um and then kind of goes away and kind of dissipates and everyone kind of has a little bit of an embarrassment attached to it, I think, or a little bit yeah. of sort of weird shame or kind of, oh, we all loved that for a time, didn't we? Everyone was doing that bit. Everyone was listening to that song. And then it kind of, there wasn't, because there was, because maybe it was too big, maybe there was like nothing around that could that it could attach itself to, like no similar bands or no similar scene that it could sort of cling on to, that it, they just sort of floated away into this kind of, oh, that was a nice a nice moment that we all had. And we, we, we're full. We, we, we don't want any more from them or from you. <laughs> Certainly not now. Oh, it's it's kind of, it's so strangely sad. But also, and I think that, that is one of the reasons why, like, there's something so endlessly compelling about the term one hit wonder, right? And like, mm. why, I think it, I think it's kind of mind in fiction quite a lot. Like, I think it's, it's something always, people always remember about the film About a Boy. Um, mm. <laughs> like... That, like, he's living off the fortune of his father's one-hit wonder. You know, it's very compelling. The it, It's what we want from all great stories. It's um when you win, but you lose, you know? 
Mm. Nick Hornby does that with Juliet Naked as well, really. Like the and guy, Juliet the, the, Naked, yeah. Maybe Nick Hornby just loves the... I mean, he loves music, doesn't he? But maybe yeah. Nick Hornby loves the one-hit wonder. Um, so yeah, yeah, you win, but you lose. There's a kind of an underdog um, idea of the of the band who makes it, who is the one-hit wonder, um, which is, I think I am quite prone to becoming attached to, maybe. Quite and it's like also... It's like... It's where we talked about like our favorite songs being one hit wonders when we were kids. And it's and that actually is implicitly linked because it's like when you're that age, your brain latches on to sort of catchy things more. Like your your mind is like softer, I guess. Your taste mm. isn't formed. You have less of a kind of a sense of things things that are complicated can be good or whatever, you know? Like you 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 want simple melodies. Yeah. And catchy hooks more at that time in your life. Like if you ever go to like a child's birthday party, it's just like <laughs> Katy Perry's firework and then shake it off. And it's like, you know, or whatever. Um, and so a song that or like, like you know, Last Ketchup or like yeah. uh, the Macarena is like children mm-hmm. made the Macarena what it is. <laughs> like that empire yeah. was built on the backs of six year olds. Um, yeah, and, school mythos, yeah. And like... Um, uh, so your your mind is so soft and like waiting to like devour a one hit wonder, and so like it just goes round and round and round in the heads of children, and then that like it, it being associated with kids, like for example, cheeky girls, last ketchup, macarena, yeah, makes cha-cha it even cha cha slide makes it even like more shameful, right? You know, mm, like yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I should have grown out of this and got into cool music. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Like, and a lot of these bands aren't cool. I don't think they're not. They're, or don't 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 present as cool. In fact, a lot of them are quite present as quite uncool. Um, and uh, I think there's some there's something about that as well. That, that, and a lot of the songs aren't particularly cool. They're quite earnest. A lot of them and quite sincere. And uh, the ones that aren't kind of novelty songs, I suppose, are more more of the kind of the other side. They, there's like a an emotionality to them. Whereas, yeah. like you know, our, our image of like rock music in particular and pop and rock music, it, it is quite cool, and it's 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 you know the the certainly back in the nineties, maybe less so now, where everyone's sort of talking, you know, people sing about being sad and being depressed all the time, and everyone sort of wants that and craves that, mm-hmm. which is why I think you're getting a kind of resurgence of some of these some of these bands now who are doing that. Um, that yeah, I think. There is, yeah, that's maybe where the shame comes from, just kind of leaning into that emotionality, leaning into that earnestness that is present in some of these some of these songs, I think. The first one on your list is my favourite. The first <laughs> one you sent me. It's it's I, I, as you just said, I I think the the one hit wonder allows for a level of attachment and sentimentality because sometimes the artist isn't big enough to dominate the story, if you know what mm. I mean. Like, for example, if you are, um, if your favorite song is a Counting Crow song or an R.E.M. Mm. song or whatever, and um, or U2 song, it's like the the global nerve center of U2 or R.E.M. or whatever is always going to be bigger than your feelings for that song. And so it's like your heart almost doesn't have space or something, or your heart can't be big enough to fill how much love there is for you too. But in the mm. case of Breakfast at Tiffany's by B- Deep Blue Something, your first song on your list, yeah. 
I know so little about the band Deep Blue Something. I know that the lead singer has red hair. Yeah. And everything else I know about the song, Breakfast at Tiffany's by Deep Blue Something, is completely compiled in my emotional life. You know? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I also have no idea about them. And just out of that, from that video. I remember the song did really well. I think it got to number one, over here anyway, over in the UK. Um, and then they nev- were never heard from again. I must have come up, come out in the mid-90s, I think, maybe 95. Yeah. So, like, height of Britpop. And it's, it's such a American soft rock sort of Tom Petty type yeah. song that probably, yeah, there was sort of nothing around it. But it's still great. And it's also, like... <clears throat> It's also such a classic, like, I'm learning the guitar song. It was the first that... song I ever learned on guitar. Was it? Yeah, D, yeah. A, and G, man. Just D, A, and G, and you can do that riff. The... Just like, by really lifting easy. your pinky finger Just up and down. Yeah. Like, that's it. Yeah, it is. I showed someone it the other day, actually. I was like, you know, here, you learned someone play a D chord. And I was like, do that, and do that, and do that, and do that. And you can play Deep Blue Something's Breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, and it's, I just love it. It's still really good. It's really catchy. It's uh, it's a nice story. The video, it's got a good video, which I think was yeah. about more important then than maybe it is now. And yeah, well, I must have been like six, five or six, six or seven, somewhere around that age. Yeah. And it sounded like a sort of grown up rock song. And I was like, this is this is great, I'm having a great time. And then yeah, they, I don't even remember them like releasing a single. It wasn't like the the follow up because I just this was before like. You know, I had the radio and I didn't have music channels then, so it just had the radio in the top 40. Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to listen to it like quite a lot and record, you know, tape songs off the radio on the Sunday and that, that, all that kind of sort of cliched stuff that I think lots of people who grew up in the 90s did and like music. Um, and it wasn't even like, and now the set, the follow up single to the number one hit Breakfast at Tiffany's didn't even, didn't even get a yeah. chance. And that, no. which is strange. I find that really, it's, it's a strange thing, but I think it speaks to like, yeah, because it was not a Britpop song and they were not a Britpop band, it was like it was almost like the labels were like, right, we fluked this. We've got away with one here, lads. Let's just sort of pack it away. <laughs> let's, not, let's not push our luck. They're, they're all listening to Blur and Oasis and you're coming here singing Breakfast at Tiffany's. Like, this is, this is luck. It, uh, yeah, it's so strange. I remember, like... During my HMV years, ordering in the album just out of curiosity and listening to it on the stereo like late on a Friday night wow. to see if there was anything in there worth enjoying. And is just it? like, well, do you think is probably, but like because <laughs> because like not every single track was Breakfast at Tiffany's or yeah. named after another Audrey Hepburn movie. No. <laughs> like it was just it was lost to me because that's the thing is like so often it, it it really doesn't matter how good the rest of the music is because if it's not specifically the thing that you signed on for and because the thing you signed on for has been playing on such a loop in your head for so long mm. that like it, it's kind of it dooms itself like the success does doom itself yeah which i think will come up in a few in a few others it's just it's it's your it's like you're too too good out of the gate you know same yeah. with uh same with to kill a mockingbird, you know. How are you going to follow that up properly? <laughs> You're not gonna, not gonna. So you just. Oh it. my god! Yeah, deeply something. We we'll just have to wait until one of them is like critically ill, and then like yeah. someone, <laughs> someone from their label goes through their archives and forcibly yeah. releases their back catalogue. It's happening but, now. That's going to happen. Uh, let's talk about the song itself for a second, like because like I, 
again, was so young when this came out and like obviously listened to it a lot, enough for it to be the thing that I decided was worth learning guitar chords for. Mm. Um, so therefore, you know, it must have like meant a lot to me. And it, it just, it's, I without being too grandiose, it's a real song that a novelist would love kind of thing. <laughs> In that like, there's something about it that gets to such human specificity and it's such a character study and it's like there's so many pop songs about the end of love and the end Mm. of a relationship and so many of them are characterized by like enormous dramatic emotion or enormous sorrow and you really get the sense from breakfast at tiffany's that it's like this is a a song about a small relationship that probably didn't mean an enormous amount to either party, but is nonetheless still ending, and they're nonetheless still trying to save. Mm. That thing of, like, you say that we've got nothing in common, no common ground to start from, and we're falling apart. And then the sort of, like, it's quite, you know, it's quite melancholy. Mm. And then to just hit with that chorus that's like, and I said, what What about about breakfast at Tiffany's? Yeah, it's quite an incongruent melody, to because it is quite a sad... The lyric is quite sad. It's, it is a kind of this fizzling out of something. Yeah. And the, it, it is quite, an, it's so anthemic and yeah, chunky almost. And like, an, he, I remember he does a really, a bit of a naff jump in the video. It's like a slow-mo, yeah. slow-mo punk rock jump in, I think they're in like a, they're in like Central Park or something. Um, it's just the three of them, isn't it? It's just like a drummer. He's no, he's a, and he's a bass player, isn't he? The, the, I think the lead singer is in my, in my mind. He's playing. He's playing the bass. Oh my god, Ginger so, yeah. and the bass player. I know they never had a chance. That's basically That's minority so status in the nineties. <laughs> it's, it's just remarkable that they got they got they got so big um, for so for so little time. But yeah, it's it is it is a, there is a melancholy about it, and it is this kind of little narrative and little story that's playing out, and it's this. You know, there's no bitterness to it. It's this. It's just a. It's just quite a nice song about you know. Okay, well, this has ended, but you know, still got this one thing that's nice. Yeah, like let's, there's something so. It's very Nick Hornby esque in a way of mm. like that thing of like, we've got this one thing like we like, we we, we this this thing this relationship has fizzled out probably before it's even really started. It is not going to be like this love for the ages, but we both quite like it's not even they don't love this movie they both kind of like <laughs> yeah this this incredibly famous movie that everyone likes do you know what i mean it's like it's <laughs> yes. it's not even like it's an obscure audrey hepburn movie like the children's hour or whatever it's like mm. the movie everyone's seen it and it's like if that is the only thing that you have in common with someone that you both sort of like a movie everyone likes <laughs> It's so yeah. it's like doomed, like yeah, exactly. It's not the uh, it's not the basis to build a build a relationship, build a relationship from. But they gave it a go. Listen, I gave it a go. I just love it. And like when you compiled this playlist for me, and I just like put this on while I was you know running for the train mm. the other day, it has that feeling about it. Like oh, I'm in a movie. This is like what yeah. I got into music for. That feeling when you put your headphones on and you're like, yeah. I'm in a movie. <laughs> Yeah, I think it is the first one-hit wonder I remember as well. I think I yeah. think that's the, re- the it's the that's the it's the first one that came to my head. That and which came a bit later, so I didn't put it on the plate. But Save Tonight by Eagle Eye Cherry, um, again, good first guitar yeah. song. Um, yeah, again, end of a relationship song or like middle of a relationship song. Um, again, very earnest, very emotional. Again, don't think he ever did anything else. Okay, listen, the next song on the list is actually a, be- a double-sider. It's a double-sider. Would you sider. like to introduce it? I would. So this is Eamon's Don't Want You Back 
followed up closely by Frankie's. And I think it was styled as FU right back, but we all know what the FU we- stands for. Which can well, I say? I can. I can swear. Yeah, you can I? swear. Yeah. Fuck you, right back by Frankie, um, or which, Ferb as it was. <laughs> fur, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it was styled with like dots in it, wasn't it? Um, and I think this came out in like the north. It came out when I was in high school. I remember, so it must yeah. have come out in the noughties. And two thousand four, I think. Yeah, and the weird thing, in hindsight, but it felt weird at the time, was that when Eamon's uh, "Don't Want You Back" came out, they they were already teasing that there was this relationship that. And and blah 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 blah, yeah. and so it was like, well, we'll we'll we probably will get the reply at some stage. And Frankie's "Fuck You" right back then came out like not too long after, and they're the, it's the same song, same melody, same chorus, just like um, these two people sort of talking back and forth to each other. And I hadn't listened to it in a long time, and then when I went back to listen to it, I think it, it does encapsulate such a, a lot about like what that kind of noughties feminism was where it's like Eamon's song is horrible <laughs> like the, the chorus <laughs> is like so horrible <laughs> he's just screaming abuse at this woman <laughs> and then I suppose it's fine because Frankie gets to go on record and be like you've got a small dick <laughs> and and looking like a mob wife and or, or, you know yeah and, and, yeah and who who accuses brand. who of giving someone crabs I think crabs <laughs> do come into it. <laughs> yeah. Is that, yeah. I think Frankie does. She says your sex was whack. Yeah. She says, remember that time you thought you broke my back? That's the line. Yeah. And I was like, is yeah. that good? Is, is that, that what we, good? Is that what, what was good in the, in the noughties? It doesn't sound good. Fuck all those nights you thought you broke my, back. my back. Well, guess what, yo? Yo sex but was whack. Yo sex was whack, yeah. She looks great in that video. I think there's a lot... I'd, I'd be... I think there's a lot of room for, for a Frankie now. And... The other thing, which I guess is a spin-off from that, she gets the right reply, but she doesn't get any other singles. There's no other no. releases. Whereas, and I don't, and I, I've saved this to because I wanted to get your reaction. I wanted to see your reaction. But Eamon had another single, and also they were trying to use him to launch another genre of music. Do you remember this? No. So, Eamon's this song, "Don't Want You Back," and his follow-up single which was called Love Dem Hoes, right? <laughs> <laughs> and the chorus of Love Them... It might have been just Love Them Hoes, actually. And the chorus of Love Them Hoes went, I love them hoes, love them hoes, love them hoes. It went like that. I love them hoes. <laughs> it was pretty good. But um, the genre, which he was launching, he caught, was called Ho-Wop. Uh, ho So, like, I guess, like, wow. a do-wop, do but about hoes. So, like... I. Th- it was like they were like, okay, Eamon's the one we're giving the main event push to here. Oh, my God. Like, you look back at it and be like, what? I don't think either of these people really do, but, like, why him? Why that guy? I suppose, like, oh my it's, like, God. very strange. And 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 Love Them Hoes did actually chart, which I suppose makes Eamon technically not a one-hit wonder, but... Well, oh, my... I did briefly look at his Wikipedia page and, like, it is long, you know, and it... Yeah. Because he's writing it, I reckon. Let's I be think real. it's because he's writing it, yeah. But um, but you know, apparently he has had like a bunch of uh, he's had a career basically, and he's continuing to have a career. It he's, seems to be that yeah. he at least has bought two houses from music. Good and on that's, him. Uh, that's amazing. Frankie has disappeared into obscurity. The only information available to her is that she did some modeling work and she lives on Staten Island. Which Good. <laughs> But it, but it is that thing. It's that like um, early noughties feminism thing of being like, yeah, like I can swear as much as you, and I have the right of reply, and you can hear me, but I will disappear into yeah. obscurity. 
Like the only quote that is on Frankie's Wikipedia page is from Eamon saying he doesn't know her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. So it was the kind of thing then that like they weren't actually a couple and it was an, it was all a lie. It was all a lie. Oh, it was. Yeah. I see. think that was the like. Duped. Duped. Like, uh, you know, obviously you hear about like the 1950s and like, you know, fake weddings and like Rock Hudson having to marry his secretary <laughs> because he's gay or whatever. But like that, this was the Rock Hudson and secretary <laughs> of our generation. Yeah. And I also, I remember it like so clearly being important to me. <laughs> Yeah, it, there was a real, very quick soap opera narrative around it that I think everyone yeah. was very ready to eat up. Yeah, and like this was also a time when like, um, and this time it had a strangely long tale, which is that like um, proving a political point by making something a number one, like the whole <laughs> making System of a Down Christmas number one, which oh, right, yeah. came came in and out for years, and like that was going to be like killing in the name of making that number one would be like the big fuck you from society you to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. Simon Cowell is insane, and um, and also the I remember like going out and buying Fuck You Right Back on a CD Did single you? to like show the boys. <laughs> And I bet you did show them. And and like singing it at them, being like 13, 14 and yep. being like, That's guess it. what, yo, your sex was wank. That's it. But it was the beginning of a whole wop, which was obviously the... Yeah, so they had, the, the boys had the last laugh there because they were probably listening to... I mean, everyone was big on whole wop for... Sure, yeah. We all, we all remember that. We all remember a whole wop. Yeah. It's so funny when like you read um like like cultural analysis articles from another time period and it's like people like trying to land the target like they're trying to like mm. describe something that's happening in the culture but almost in the in the length of time it takes to name the thing the thing has already passed you yeah. know <laughs> like met- metrosexual you know yes ho-ops and metrosexuals were coming around coming out at the same time <laughs> yeah yeah it's um but the thing uh, is yeah, they're yeah. kind of almost they all it's like they almost landed the target because like after that you would then get amy winehouse who would like obviously remix kind of classic 60s right. girl pop into like a new modern thing about like drugs and addiction and etc yeah. so they like they think something like, Eamon was hovering around our target he you know was, yeah 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 <laughs> I mean like it's not a mi- it's like it's not a million miles away from the kind of lyrical content you get in like a Robin Thicke song and Robin Thicke was going years and years and years before Blurred Lines sort of popped out so that, there is oh yeah need okay to kind of, and I only know that because when Blurred Lines came out I got PR'd a five-album Robin Thicke retrospective. And it's not very good. There's a couple of good songs on it, but it's not very good. But yeah, he was he was kicking about for a long time. So I think there is that thing of like, it's really not up to you whether the song is famous or not. It's, it's, yeah. and, it, and also it's very little to do with the quality of the song. It's every, all these things have to kind of coalesce and be at the right time and to, for, it to, for it to happen. Yeah, it's really not down to the quality of the song because, like, listening to this playlist on that, that we compiled, like, starting with Breakfast at Tiffany's, hearing that like gorgeous acoustic guitar and the production's really rich and golden and autumny, and the chorus mm. just kicks in, and it just feels like this like beautiful, well-made thing. And then, like, to go to the next song, which is "Don't Want You Back" by Eamon on the playlist, and it sounds like. They they made it on the earliest possible version of Garage Band, and they kept yeah. the metronome settings in. Yeah, like, it's, it's yeah, it doesn't sound it's, good. It doesn't sound. It does not hold up on 
like not politically, not sonically, not on any level, but it still means a lot to us regardless. And he's just so uncool when you look at him in the video as well. He's, <laughs> he's so he uncool. just doesn't look like someone who like a whole marketing team were like, right, Eamon, we've got this tune for you and here's what we're going to do. We're going to push this whole narrative. It's all going to be about you, buddy. We've hired this woman who you've never met before to be your ex. She's going to she's going to say you've got a small dick, but it's fine because we're launching her up straight after. And he just sort of look. He looks like it looks like the least likely person to for this to happen to. It's um, so mad that yeah. they would like make this cheap, terrible thing <laughs> and be like, "We're also going to spend money on producing its enemy." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is mad. They just like there's nothing else quite like it. I can't think of another no, not not um manufactured in 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 such a way. I mean the, the closest yeah. thing would be like when you had oh, I wonder if this was before or after Pop Stars the Rivals. We like oh. where they had the two bands sort of come, but they didn't hate each other. They were just like it was just like it was a competition. Yeah. I suppose it happened in like organically in like jump in like hip hop and other Another dr- I'm not, yeah, not I guess they were trying to manufacture a stuff. diss track, and like, yeah, yeah I guess get diss tracks are obviously a real thing, but like, they just even those are quite produced now, but even they come from something, like, they yeah, come from yeah, yeah, some yeah. personal relationship experience between the two people they've yeah. met, usually. Yeah, no, I can't think of anything <laughs> as inorganic <laughs> as this, but you know, it worked. I mean, it you know, it meant a lot to us, it meant you know. It, it did. Yeah. It, there was really no conversation around feminism in that time. And so it was very much the era of the Ladette. Very and much this, the era of the Ladette. And this was yeah. the anthem for that, I guess. Yeah. Incredible. Very Number incredible. three on your list is, I feel like I've had this conversation with you many times and yeah. you are such an advocate for this act. Certainly um, am. Would you like to name it? Yeah, so it's the JCB song by Nisloppy. Uh I have a, pers- a sort of semi-personal connection to Dinsloppy because John... Dinsloppy was a duo. Mm-hmm. John Parker and Luke Concanon. Luke Concanon was the singer and guitarist and John um, played double bass and um, beatboxed as well. He was a good beatboxer. Oh. Um, and John played the double bass on my one of my albums and has played live with me before and plays with live with lots of people. He's a very, very, very good double bass player in the sort of folk scene. And I, I've not met Luke before, but I've spoken to him on the phone and have a kind of have had contact with him and uh and yeah and i love i loved this song when it came out it came out when i was probably 15 i guess 14 15 yeah. and and just because i i'm kind of conscious that this might be a very um uk thing and for international yeah. listeners can you give us a few bars of the jcb song so yeah of course i happily happily it was um, <laughs> well i'm rumbling in this jcb i'm five years old and my dad's a giant sitting beside me and the engine rattles my bum like berserk while you're singing, don't forget your shovel if you want to go to work. And it's got this love, and the chorus is, and we're holding up the bypass. Oh, oh me and my dad having a top laugh. Oh, oh, and we're sitting on the toolbox. Oh, and I'm so glad I'm not in school, boss. So glad I'm not in school. It's gorgeous. Beautiful. So beautiful, many women sweet. on their commutes were not expecting to be Listen. so turned on this morning. And yet. And yet. And yet. Just like there you go. 5,000 new followers for but Harry Harris <laughs> on Instagram. I d- I d- you know, I deleted my Twitter the other day so that so they can follow me on nothing. You um, have Instagram anymore? Oh, I do, but I'm locked. Okay. Well, then look up Harry's music because it's yeah, lovely. It's around. Um, but yeah, no, be- really beautiful song. 
and I suppose the the um, well, I'll, t- I'll tell a story because because I know that I know John and I've met and I've spoken to Luke. I wrote an article about One Hit Wonders for Noisy a few years ago, which is kicking about. Um, and I spoke to him for that. And I, I've you know I've asked them about the JCB songs. I asked them what what was that like. And I I bought their the the album that this was on. It was called um, Half These Songs Are About You. Just love a really lovely album. Really some really lovely songs on it. Um, kind of folk uh, pop. Uh, occasional kind of soul stuff in it but it's really brilliant like big soul song called Love Ray John on it and I asked them about it and John and Luke were both like yeah it was really weird we sold we were a touring band um, already just the two of them um, and we sold 600,000 records um, singles like physical wow. singles this is just physical before. singles yeah it was, and it I think it went to number one the, the week before Christmas but there was a big push for it to be the Christmas number one that year um and it it came out by accident they did a um uh they did an interview in the guardian like really recently um basically because there was this cartoon video made alongside it and it got mm. put on and it was it was um on nickelodeon oh were, wow it, is yeah. that so that's how it hit then yeah it, but bit by bit i think they kept putting up little bits of it on nickelodeon i think it was nickelodeon and, yeah um, no, you're right that is where the first time place i saw because yeah. i still would have been maybe in nickelodeon's audience at this point yeah and um, then they, um, I think HMV started, people started getting calls being like, when is this song coming out? So HMV had to contact Nisloppy, who were an independent act on, an, on like an independent cottage industry label that was just the two of them and, and, the, and their friends and family, I think, to be like, are you putting on, out this song or, or what? And then so they put out the song and it got really big. What then happened, which I think is it sounds quite sad, and like in they I think they 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 say it broke up the band, was that they they went from playing these very small gigs to very small numbers of people to playing like really big venues. They play, and John I think John or Luke told me the story of being at um, Shepherd's Bush Empire, really big venue in London, what like two two thousand mm. capacity, capacity maybe yeah. sold out gig. And he said the audience. It, he said it, they said it was bizarre because no, they didn't. Nobody knew anything else about about them. Mm. Um, nobody really seemed to care. And then they would play the JCB song, and everyone went mental and started throwing diggers on the stage, like plastic diggers, like plastic JCBs. And then, obviously, mm. after that, it went back to being this weird sort of nothingy thing. Um. And you hear that, it's just like, oh, this is this is real kind of like monkey's paw yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's like you've got um you've got everything you want, but not in the way you want. And then and then obviously what happened is like none of those because there's a kind of again, it's a it's a really earnest, sweet song about a kid bunking off school to avoid the bullies and just having mm. a nice time with his dad. And it's a folk song sung by someone in his accent. Luke's from Leamington Spa and it has like a Midlands twang to his accent. And that really wasn't happening at that point. Um, No one was really doing that. There weren't weren't that many like folk singer-songwriters in in the UK hitting the the mainstream. Now, a couple of years after, you'd get Laura Marling, you'd get Noah and the Whale five years' time, which I'd argue is like a far more twee song, far more kind of like embarrassing song than this one. Like if if you are gonna like compare the two as kind of what's more embarrassing, you mm-hmm. know, five years time I'll be walking around a zoo and yeah 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 love 
it, there's it's such it's it's as maybe twee and embarrassing as the wrong childlike I guess it's it's equally yeah. as childlike. Um, but Noah and the Whale came out with Laura Marling and with Mumford and Sons and mm. um, a few other kind of yeah. There was a there was a context for understanding them. Yeah, Although folk, having said that, I do remember even though as big as Five Years Time was when it came out, people were fucking annoyed by it. Even then, <laughs> when it had like a context and a scene to support yeah. it, people were like, "Fuck this!" Yeah. <laughs> and it was like very much a song that was beloved by fifteen and sixteen year old girls, and I loved it, yeah. you know, and I loved seeing Laura Marling in it as well. Mm. Yeah, and then, a, like, yeah. Noah and the Whale became very quite like moody after that, but they could, um, and, I, and I, I really liked their album First Day of Spring, but it was still yeah. that thing of like, no, we won't let you forget. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there was like, yeah, New Folk. It was called New Folk. Yeah, Nizloppy weren't part of that, and had and had split up. I think by the time that came around, um, I think yeah, they, it just they were like, well, this isn't this isn't what we wanted to do. The weird thing that happened with Nisloppy is that one of their biggest fans as a teenager was Ed Sheeran. Mm. Ed Sheeran um, like was obsessed with Nisloppy, wrote to Nisloppy to ask for work experience, was Nisloppy's roadie, um, opened for them uh, in Norwich, um, the Norwich Arts Centre, I think. And um, and then obviously Ed Sheeran became Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Um, and Ed Sheeran in all his early interviews was like, my favourite band in Nisloppy. And so... Nisloppy got this weird second act of Ed Sheeran fans who came to them completely earnestly and organically and without that kind of associated context of the JCB song of the One Hit Wonder. And so Nisloppy got to tour again and tour to an audience who were clearly like, we want to, we want to, we love this other guy and he loves you. So we want to see why he loves you so much. Um, oh, which I, which I think is really end nice. Story. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think they opened for Ed Sheeran a few times, and like they have a split up again now. They're st- they're childhood friends, so they're still very good friends, I think. And Luke does lots of solo stuff, and he's an activist as well. So he does lots of kind of activism retreaty type stuff. Mm. And John is just like a a pretty in demand session player. plays um, plays a lot of with a lot of folky singer songwriters. Um, and does a lot of touring stuff. Um, so they they got that kind of yeah second act second wave because they had this cosign from this person who was like no you got to listen to. I think did he play? I think Ed Sheeran put a song of theirs called Flooded Quarry on his Desert Island Discs, mm. um, which is a, again a really really good song, not a novelty song. I guess that's the thing. JCB song kind of it wasn't a novelty song. It doesn't feel like a novelty song to me. As someone, I just really like them. Um, think, but it does it's have so hard a to... bit of a novelty. You can see why people might think or, or see it as a novelty song. Particularly, they went on top of the pops and John's playing the double bass and beatboxing. Yeah. There's a kind of like, this is this is a bit uncool and a bit naff thing. Yeah. That maybe it was... But I think really was. it's the animation, though, that and does that, it, yeah. you know? Like, because it is so hard for me to hear that song and not just see that animation in my head and it was mm. so yeah it wasn't and it wasn't because it, and it was crude you know it wasn't like sophisticated no. well it looked know. like a school school book didn't it? it was like it was yeah it was like someone was school doodling on a on a school book it was like a line yeah. paper and and stuff going on yeah and there's something because you can you can so imagine that like this being one of the first songs that like a, a child and a parent could sing in a car together mm and it meaning a lot, and therefore the decision to like go to the place where that song's being 
played and performed being such a fun idea for you and your child then you go and it's like these two guys who don't know how to manage (laughs) that they are now children's entertainers Mm. but they are making very sincere and beautiful folk music like yeah, and some of it, I wouldn't like, be able to handle it, you know. No, like, and like some of his, like Luke, some of the songs are kind of sexy. Like he song, he sings about like romance and sex quite a lot on that first record in a in a way that, like, again, is maybe was a bit not yeah. what you'd expect if you were going for the JCB song, you know. What I love about the story you just told about Ms. Loppy and their kind of full circle moment, and I have to say, like, I have no real interest in the music of Ed Sheeran, but, like, Ed Sheeran the person, I'm very much behind. Like, every... I've never heard a story about Ed Sheeran that wasn't, like, a lovely story. Like, it's always about him, like, enabling other musicians to do things they want to do. Yeah, he does that. Yeah, he's done that a lot. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, But uh, I love that it's come full circle because there are quite a few... The one hit wonders that artists who manage to have a second life, and we'll get to some of them on this list, they often have to engineer that second life or that second round of fame by sort of prostrating themselves and like, you know, smiling for the camera and making it very clear that they're in on the joke and the Mm. joke is them. And... Nisloppy didn't do that. They were like, no, we're, we're not in on the joke. We don't like the joke. We're retreating from the joke. And then we're kind of rewarded for that integrity by, um, you know, being shouted on Desert Island Disc yeah, and like having culture. a whole new career. Yeah. yeah, culture kind of catching up with them almost yeah. um, in a way. We yeah. admire that. Yeah, me too. And I'm glad because I, I do think they're, they're really good really good songwriters. Um, and he's I think he's a beautiful singer. I think as a... And now, again, Ed Sheeran... Ed Sheeran's voice is Luke's voice. It, it, like you can tell yeah. his all his inflections and his and his the folkiness of his voice. You can tell that he really liked Nizopi because he sings almost exactly like him. Yeah, uh, and like yeah. I don't hugely care for Ed Sheeran's music either, but I do think he's got a really lovely singing voice. And I do think when he's singing like you know when he when he sings those kind of folkier ballady ones, like it really suits his voice. And that I think that's just more, I don't know, common now. All right, number four on the list. Um, a very different sort of breed of one-hit wonder. Yeah. It's I'll Be There For You by the Rembrandts. Yeah. And no one needs to be reminded what this is. The Friends theme song, we've all heard it one million times. Uh-huh. What but does I it would, mean to you? Well, I think at the, what, I've, what I think is interesting about it is that it is so different to all of their other stuff. Okay, so there's uh, other stuff. Yeah, there's loads. Of, there's Rembrandts were a band before. I'll be there for you, and all their other stuff is a bit kind of like they're a bit like XTC or like the kind of an eighties, eighties uh, sort of synthy band, I think. Um, but not nothing even remotely like this song, right? Um, and by all accounts, in interviews, they're quite like ugh, it's like a bit of a millstone around their neck in terms of how famous it got. I'm sure that the the, the millions of dollars they've made from it doesn't. Oh it doesn't God. hurt or help Come them sleep on. at night. But um, yeah, I think, uh, look, it's a great song. I love Friends. It's lovely. <laughs> what I think is, is is worth sort of maybe chatting about or like uh, is how how TV shows and films were, were able to launch songs like this. Yeah. And not necessarily launch careers because I don't think they did launch. I mean, it, Friends certainly didn't launch the career of the Rembrandts. It just... 
gave them a lot of money for this particular song. Yeah. But like we were talking about like the OC soundtracks and Scrubs soundtracks and Grey's Anatomy in particular, that the way they used music as, as a kind of to hit the emotional beats that they needed them to hit. I think this, and and then put out soundtrack albums at the end of every season. Um, the, some of these songs became really famous, I think, and became really successful. But I don't think ever the band. I don't think a lot of the bands did. Like yeah. some, like I think of Scrubs in particular. Scrubs in particular. Like I've been on a little season one, season two Scrubs rewatch, um, and like there's loads of songs I remember, like the the. Um, Waiting for my real life to begin, and I can I can mm. get to sleep, and like the 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 um the the uh la, 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 the theme tune, the I'm no Superman. I couldn't tell yeah, you yeah. he sings that song. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you like he sings a lot of those songs. Um, but I remember them like kind of like getting in my head, and I remember downloading them off like LimeWire or Kazaa, and uh, or whatever. Kazaa, the yeah. forgotten Kazaa. <laughs> Kazaa, yeah. yeah. Which Kazaa, yeah, Kazaa. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Which is the proto-Spotify, because it was all the same people who made it, and they just used all of the, um, the code. From when yeah. when Kazar was made illegal, they just was like right, we're calling this Spotify now, and we're telling everyone it's it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then then what happened? Um, yeah, so I yeah, yeah, there's so much I want to say there. Like I think in particular Scrubs as a one to light on is a really interesting example because it um, I think for all sort of TV drama, I think hospital hospital settings call for a lot of music naturally. Because you are getting a lot of scenes where the dialogue will not be understood by the audience. And so music <laughs> needs to be used. Yes. Because they don't know about lupus or whatever. And right. like so mu- music has to be used in order to highlight the emotional resonance of the scene. There's a lot of like obviously death and surgery and all that. It requires a lot of music. That's why I think one of the reasons why Grey's Anatomy became so famous for mm. soundtracks, as did Scrubs. Um, and... Uh, when you're picking a song to highlight a scene, if it's too familiar, it 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 it's weird. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It takes like, you out of it. You kind of it completely you... takes you out of it. Like you watch a lot of nineties movies that are like or shows that are scored by like Sixpence None the Richer or something and uh Another One Hit Wonder. Another one hit wonder and uh like it and it, it completely takes you out of it. Like There She Goes by the Laz, which is also further down this list. Yeah. Is the is the song that opens episode one of the Gilmore Girls, and it's oh, is it? 
Yeah, yeah. Every time I go to rewatch the Gilmore Girls, which is often, like, it's so distracting because it's such a big song. And so when you're scoring or syncing a TV show like that, you need to have a steady supply of songs that sound atmospheric and rounded and beautiful, but also aren't familiar. Yeah. And yeah. so then we get people like Joshua Radden, who came out yeah. of Scrubs, who was just like Zach Braff's friend and now has a yeah. really big career. Yeah, yeah, he still tours quite a lot. Um, and Devandra Barnhart as well. Remember yeah, him? He was, he was Joanna Newsom's friend. Um, really? He was a really good friend of Joanna Newsom's. And I, when, I, when he first came out, I was just like, oh, this is the other Joanna Newsom, but obviously didn't really do anything yeah. um, that important. Um, to go back to Six Months and the Richer briefly, just as a little Easter egg, they did have a follow-up single. And do you know what the follow-up single was? Okay, so the first single was Kiss Me. Yeah. Obviously. I can't think what the second one was. The second single was a cover of There She Goes by The Last. No way. Full circle moment. They just obviously knew they were a one-hit wonder and they thought they would do Yeah, why would you... If you were to cover any song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but also, um, so uh, yeah, Scrubs made a lot of those artists that, that I like would then go to LimeWire and like download those songs and then put that song into Pandora.com, which would then yeah. link you to more songs. Like this, this is something we talked about a lot on the Twee episode with Jaff Owen, which is I mm. do really believe there was a golden age of illegal streaming, yeah. which was where the internet was fast enough and good enough that you could download a dozen songs in an evening, but not so good that you could like completely rip someone's entire back catalogue. So you ended up like <laughs> discovering a lot of new artists. Like I, I never would have discovered Bright Eyes or the Postal Service or Rilo Kylie or any of these people if it weren't for the twin wonders of LimeWire and Pandora. Yeah, I would agree. Um, it was very much kind of that's how, yeah, because we didn't, I I was just about doing iTunes then maybe as well. So I okay I there was yeah. like iTunes did a free download every week as well. So I know I discovered a lot of people through that. But yeah, I was all over the the illegal illegal downloading with the fear that maybe I would download a virus, which I indeed did once. Uh, yeah, and like ruined the computer. <laughs> a virus that for some reason is the audio of Bill Clinton denying he had sexual relations with Monica Lewinsky. Did you have that one? No. The virus I downloaded was a, so- was a song by a woman called... Another one-hit wonder. <laughs> a woman called Tanita Tickerum. And she had a song called Good Tradition. It was like an... Uh, and it went... And there's a good tradition of love and hate way down in the... And for some reason I was like, I'm downloading that. And then I fucked the computer. Sorry, just the name Tanita Tickerum has really got me. Um, yeah. But, uh... The other thing about Scrubs was that it was um, a place where one-hit wonders that already existed got brought back to life. So there was like, remember there was this whole storyline with you know Ted the the like he was like the accountant of the hospital. He He's was a, like he the, was a lawyer. The lawyer, lawyer, yeah. He's dead He's now. Like, he died a couple of years ago. Oh no! Rest Poor in one peace, out for Ted. a real one. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, he was like, he, as the series went on and like, they sort of had wrung everything they could out of the Elliot and JD drama and even the Carla and Tuck, Tuck? Tuck. Carla and... Tuck. 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 Um, and you know, and like, once they had sort of like played those beats again and again with Dr. Cox, he started relying more and more on Ted and just Ted's various exploits, like Ted and Kelso doing stuff. Yeah. And so Ted had a band. And there were several moments in the show where, like, Ted's band would be sort of doing a kind of a five-part harmony of a one-hit wonder. One of them was More Than a Feeling by Boston. 
Oh, yes. Which ended up having a huge resurgence. And another one was Midnight Train by Journey, which ended up, because of Scrubs, becoming like the song that our generation ended nights out on. Yeah. And it was because of of Scrubs. It wasn't because of Glee. It was Scrubs was doing that before Glee. And yeah, I think yeah. that's that, that. Yeah, there's a there's a whole thing in there's a whole like plot line where Journey are like uh, JD's favorite band. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like it is really weird. And people are gonna ask for a Scrubs episode after this episode. And I'm sorry, the answer is no. Like <laughs> <laughs> this. Is... <laughs> the answer is no. And you're, because yeah. I, people don't realize that like in order to recap a tv show you need to watch the whole tv show and every tv show from before 2012 yeah. has 500 episodes okay. um but yeah so this is our scrubs rewatch episode um <laughs> the yeah, yeah so good. they made they, they that show had a lot of power which is weird considering it's not really talked about that much anymore in the way no. that um again it's one of those ones that fizzled out as well i think i think like because it was jd left Zach Braff left and Turk... Or maybe yeah. Zach Braff didn't leave, but Turk left and Elliot left and they brought in new people and it's like, this isn't Scrubs. It's like... Yeah. It's the same with Grey's Anatomy, I think. Grey's Anatomy, lots of... I think Sandra Rowe left and there's... A, I think there's... She's still there. Meredith Grey is still there. Yeah. Having a great, but people, having a great people old time. still are there for Grey's Anatomy, man. Like, people yeah, are watching Grey's Anatomy and... But, uh, yeah. yeah. But the music in those shows... I don't know if this is the truth of Scrubs, but the music in... Certainly in Grey's changed... And I think the music and the culture changed in terms of what ambient music you wanted in the background of things from like indie bands, like mm. all of the, like Tegan and Sarah is all over that first Grey's Anatomy season. It's Tegan and Sarah. The mm. first song you hear in the first episode of Grey's Anatomy is Portions for Foxes, Bride of Kylie. Yeah. Um, so it's all these kind of like slightly obscure indie bands that you like would be primed for like a teenage person who liked music to be like, what's that? What's that? Blah, 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 blah. Um, and then at some point it does become, I think it's about six or seven seasons in, it becomes slowed down uh, covers of famous pop songs, like sad, slowed down mm. sad covers of famous pop songs, which is now what background music is on, oh on all TV. The fucking traders. The fucking is there tra- anything they won't cover? No. A sad version of it or something. You know, this is a sad, it's like, no, it's not. Oh god! It's always grow, grow up. It's always just make it sad. Like yeah. that is the. That's why all my Spotify recommendations, all the like the day lists, are called like sad girls to have depression to. Yeah. It's like there are more emotions in the fucking repertoire than sadness. Like I honestly feel like I've had to. Um, like I recently had to really genuinely ask people for recommendations and mean it when I ask them because generally I'm not really looking for recommendations yeah. about music because like I feel like. Spotify just keeps on and maybe this is worth folding into the one hit wonder conversation it just keeps on serving me things that are based on things I'm already listening to and so like every so everyone who sounds like Phoebe Bridgers is being pushed at me everyone yeah. who sounds like Haim is being pushed at me everyone sounds like Muna is being pushed at me and so like far from it being a treat anymore I feel like only thing that's going into my ears is just this slush pile of just like vague feminine sadness that kind of sounds like from the 90s and I love all those bands individually but like you can't live on a diet of just one thing mm. and when I was downloading music during the golden age of illegal streaming like it was a lot of stuff like you know yeah. there was a lot of range there yeah I think that's a really a good point about streaming and Spotify in particular and it's a point I've seen kind of sort of touched on elsewhere of like because it's all mood right it's all mood playlists and all the stuff that is that while their big thing was like discovery and i think people are kind of cottoning on and maybe doing what you're doing 
and being like mm. this isn't really working for me anymore it's because you don't yeah. get that that diversity it is just lots of stuff that is meant to sound like the same to game an algorithm or or whatever yeah um and what you went yeah you just end up getting less good versions of the things you you really like um yeah and it is hard yeah. to know where that other music is elsewhere but i think that is yeah that's probably why maybe one hit wonders don't sort of come out anymore because we consume music so differently that nothing it's it's hard to find anything that really cuts through because there is so much other stuff it's hard to find anything that really feels like oh i've not heard anything like this before which i think yeah. was the was what you were hearing in a lot of these one hit wonders that's not to say they were all really original it's just that mm. the context the musical context around them was such that like it felt a bit like a kind of it felt a bit fresh which is maybe the kind of blessing and the curse the reason they came through but maybe the, also the reason they didn't a lot of them didn't kind of kick off yeah. I can't like I can't think of the last thing recently that that did something similar to that well the thing is the one hit wonder now is taking on a different format which is that it's become like viral sounds on TikTok and yeah. the song then like Makiba which a bit people who have a TikTok account will know as the kind of strange, um, I think South African song that is accompanied often by Bill Hader doing a dance. Yes, I think it's is it the TikTok. Makiba. Yeah, is it the TikTok advert song as well? I think it's on the TikTok. I think that's where I know it from. It's on the advert. Oh, possibly for TikTok that too. too. Yeah, yeah. It's on an advert, and I was like definitely. walking around a Zara in Spain recently, and it was playing in there. I was like, oh, it's transferred from being a TikTok sensation song. to being like a real song. Is this kind of? And that song came out in like 2005. Yeah. Um, well, I think yeah, I think um, I was chatting to you about this earlier, but I think South African Amar Piano music is having a moment as well as like Tyler's Water, which was like a big viral song. But that that's like Tyler's uh, had a follow up single, also really big. So I think she's just sort of. Put, becoming yeah. a bit of a main event. Uh, the 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 key difference between the one hit wonder and a viral song is that like the one hit wonder existed in its own universe in a way by itself. Like if you think of like the Gautier somebody that I used to know featuring Kimba, mm. Kimbra featuring. Oh God, I can't believe you remember that bit. I know. Apparently, she's a big deal. Um, but, um, but that I think that was probably the last legitimate one hit wonder was that song. In that, like, we never really heard from Gautier again. Like, it was so unusual and so itself. And so the whole song existed within the framework of, like, that video. And, like, it was just this perfect thing that was given to us with no explanation. Mm. And we just yeah. took it. And and it was it's such a... I, I, I still find it so gorgeous. Yeah, it's and, a great song, yeah. Really and good. it's like a one-hit wonder that makes me feel good about humanity. Because it's like, it's... It's not as if it's like a complicated or hard to listen to song. It's very pleasurable, but it's like, it's it's slow. It takes a long time for the chorus to kick in. It's got mm. that strange instrumentation, that strange production. And it makes me think like, oh, actually, like people aren't dumb. Like people will embrace something if it's simply good. Yeah. But like, yeah. but that, the success of that song didn't depend on people finding a context for it within their own life, which is like what the Makiba thing is. It's like, it's all about like, Finding a joke, setting Bill Hader to it, putting that song to the joke, and the, and therefore the song is only part of a bigger thing yeah, that the okay. artist has nothing to do with. Yeah, that is the, that is the difference, isn't it? That is a key yeah. difference. Um, the, yeah, you're almost like sound, you're kind of soundtracking your your own experience, whereas the other one was just like a good song that sort of came out. Yeah, and I think yeah, the Gautier one, it's 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 just almost too good. 
just yeah, too, too good a song. Too good. You're never going to match it. Matty Healy did an interview where he was talking about it and he was like, that song's amazing. It's, there was no chance they were ever going to be able to follow it up with anything because it, it felt like from a different time. Um, which I think is true of like a few yeah. other... Um, a few of the other kind of songs that pop up as well. It's just like this one. This one bangs too That's hard. So that is so. I think it's like it felt like sort of like crunchy and textural, like a song from like the seventies that like Cat mm. Stevens might come out with or Paul Simon might come out with, but mm. also oddly futurish in the kind of the the bloops and the kind of I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's I love I, it. It's that thing of like maybe if it would come out a few years later, yeah, they'd, they'd pick it up, and that happened. Like that happened. Sort of a lot, yeah, yeah. We talked about it with the JCB song, but also like Rapper's Delight was a one hit wonder because mm. like hip hop wasn't was was just emerging. Which one was Rapper's Delight now? Remind me. I said a hip hop, hippie, hippie, oh, right. hip hop, and you don't have that one. Um, they didn't have another song, um, another hit, um, because there was no, yeah, no, it was it was too ahead of its ahead of its time. Gangnam Style. Yeah. K pop is massive now. <laughs> Gangnam Style, too ahead of its time. Too ahead of its oh, time. Yeah, you're right. Oh, right. I guess Gangnam Style was the sort of prefix for the West enjoying K-pop. Yeah, I think it was the first K-pop, K-pop chorus big hit. I don't, I, I'm, I don't think BTS were, were, were a big thing then, or like um, Blackpink are a K-pop band, are they not? So next on the list, we have Video Kill the Radio Star by The Buggles. That's right. Why a, did you... a, a brilliant song. A really brilliant song, and I think um, the, it was, the, was it not the first video on MTV? Like, MTV came out and then Video Kill oh, the Radio shit. Star was like, it's like... Flagship it, song. It's flagship song, which like, obvi- that, which is like, you know, it's like almost like a theme song for MTV. Um, yeah. And so that's, again, blessing and a curse because it almost feels like your enjoyment of the song is not associated with the band at all, but it's just associated with this like emergent music video culture. Um, and it's also like... You know, another quite sort of sad, earnest song that kind of uh, prefigures something that's maybe a bit frightening. That like yeah. everything's about to change, and we don't quite know what that's going to be. Um, but here's here's a here's a banger that will illustrate it. It is a banger, and I also associate it almost interchangeably with um, "We Build the City on Rock and Roll." Yeah, very similar. It almost feels like one flows into another in my head. We built the city on rock and roll fucking rules but you're right it has a kind of a um they're 80s songs right are they yeah well yeah, yeah. i mean what MT- early 80s i'd say yeah mtv was early 80s i think yeah interestingly that like um this is a song about how video artists aren't gonna like take over the next 20 years of music which they did mm. but and yet i don't know what the music video for this song is oh i do it's um it's it's a kind of sci-fi thing it's like a, it's like old people in masks and then it comes oh, right. like this one guy come, and he's got a little white mask on i think and he's like i met you on the wireless back in 52 um <laughs> and it's yeah it's like a very futuristic um vibe yeah um yeah no, and no it, sense that they're a real band at all, really, which is maybe the yeah. the problem. <laughs> it just doesn't sound like a real band. It just sounds like a song that was made for this for the yeah, a song birth of MTV. written, written yeah. to a brief, yeah. yeah. Which it, which it may well have been, to be honest. Um, I've done, yeah, I don't know, but it feels like it feels almost too perfect um, for that. And it makes you think then, obviously, like what is the role of the music video within the one hit wonder universe? canon if you will mm. 
Yeah, like, can but, you ooh. think of a one? Wonder where the video was the thing that really made yes, it. Yes, I can. Okay, go. Yeah. Um, <gasps> yes. Who had, who had who had a really brilliant song called "Get Over It" that came out a few years before? They have a lot of good songs. Yeah, yeah. but like that, but, like yeah. tre- that treadmill. I can't actually remember what that song was. But here pe- it goes, here it goes, goes again, here it goes, goes again. Oh, here oh, yeah, it goes again. again. Yeah, that's a great song. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that was you know people that that was just the video. People like the video. And, that's, um, so, that's so interesting because like if Video Killed the Radio Star was the thing that was like predicting um, the switch from radio to music channels, yeah. then uh, OK Go was the thing that delivered the change from music channels, channels to looking to... up things on YouTube. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're totally that was, right. That, I, I would wager that OK Go's video was among the first thing that people looked at YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's certainly how I remember getting into it. Yeah. yeah. Great. Great point. Astute. This is why Ast- you're a cultural commentator. <laughs> it's exactly that kind of stuff. Thanks, man. Um, Too bad the music didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> didn't work out yet. Um, the other two, on, I think, Spacey's this, mom, I think, and, a video Why one. didn't you and I have a one in wonder? I think it's still, I think it could still happen for us. Okay. I think they're all good. Just whatever one people... I mean, you say that. You say you didn't have a one-hit wonder. You wrote an entire young adult novel series off the back of a song we wrote. I think that counts. That does count. I that is counts. a one-hit wonder in a sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm breaking the form again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's yeah. let's move on to you know who what what many might call it the king of the one-hit wonder, which is Rick Astley with Never Gonna, Never give, gonna you give You Up. up. Yeah, and again a kind of viral it's reemergence as a viral joke with like Rick Rolling. Yeah. Um. That was that was how it became. Relevant so expl- to- explain Rickrolling to anybody who doesn't remember the internet 10 yeah, years ago. Yeah, so like, I think even 20 years ago, Rickrolling to me feels like a, a teenage thing. Yeah, maybe, I was in, I remember being in uni like and getting uni. emails from people that were Rickrolls. Yeah, it was like, from what I recall, it was like you were sent a link to something, anything, mm-hmm. and then halfway through that thing, it would just be the chorus yeah. of Never Gonna Give You Up. Like that would, it would just like cut in and then it would be Rick Ra- Rick Astley in his video uh. dancing and you'd be like, oh, damn it. I'm listening to Never Gonna Give You Up Now. I've been had. I've been Rick Rolled. <laughs> um, and that was, that was the joke. Um, Rick Astley at this point was still touring. He was doing things like, um, like sort of Sunday afternoon festivals in right. English provincial towns with other eight, like 80s revival festivals. I remember I saw him... Uh, at one of these festivals with um, Tony Hadley of Spandau Ballet was the headliner. Um, and Rick Astley. Again, a, a great living. A great, hey, great living. Glad of it. Yeah. And I'm sure Rick Astley, and the thing is, Rick Astley d- does and still does have a really good uh, singing voice. So like, and, and is like, mm. you know, a pro. So he can go up, he can he can whip up the crowd. We're all there in our in our armchairs with, with wines with a foil lid on it, having mm-hmm. a great time in, in the sunshine in Suffolk. And now, I don't know how it happened, really. I think just off the back of Rick Rolling and off the back of Rick Astley showing that he was like, like you said, like in on the joke. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, has sort of become this kind of credible alternative to Morrissey who isn't a racist. You know, like he's he can, blot him and Blossoms now go and do these Smiths tribute gigs that people really love because people love the Smiths and hate financially supporting Morrissey. <laughs> Is that what Rick Astley's up to at the moment? Yeah, he's 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 there. class. Yeah, and the, by all accounts, the gigs are really good. They And they do they do the festival scene and, yeah, he's there with his flowers doing his Morrissey shtick and not saying horrible things about minorities. So, like, that's... Which is what you want 
from a Smith <laughs> and that's skit. what you want and like it, it's interesting because like there's um I think there's so much conversation about what the internet takes from us and not enough about what it, what gives, it gives to us, you know? Yeah. And what it gives is, you know, a 60-year-old Rick Astley having a thriving career in both pop and media. Yeah. And, like, like he was on Elizabeth Day's podcast not too long ago. Oh, was he? Know, okay. like he's, Yeah, go. yeah. Um, Dolly met him at a dinner party and said he was a lovely, if timid man. I bet he would be lovely. I bet he would be lovely. Timid? Uh, and, yeah, maybe timid. Yeah. <laughs> and if, maybe that too. And if... um. The the sort of counterweight to this, I guess, and not even a counterweight, but just maybe an accompaniment to it, is um, uh, Smash Mouth's All Star. Yeah, another where... another recent death. Oh, he died not too long ago, quite young as well. Oh, so I didn't pour, pour one that. out for that gentleman whose name escapes oh, me. Because yeah, my word. Um, but like similarly to Rick Astley, All Star by Smash Mouth was the song that like was pretty, like, it was definitely very big in the maybe early 2000s, like, real turn of the century because yeah. of the Shrek soundtrack. And it was, like, you, when you you close your eyes and you picture, like, Shrek opening his, like, shed cottage door That's and right. you go, you hear, somebody um, once told me. A banger. Um, wow. And uh, and then they did have another single before that was called Walking on the Sun, which is a really good song. Oh, was that the um, same? Okay, yeah, same maybe band. Not, uh, maybe not a one-hit wonder band. No, I don't think. But like again, it's that thing of like not a technical one-hit wonder, but like the majority of people are going to think Smash Mouth All Star. And like he, they were on uh, Twitter a lot, obviously, and people would like try and like roast them about it and try and be like, oh, you known for yeah. All Star, and he's like, we've sold fucking loads of albums. Yeah. Like just refuse to be um, refuse to be made to feel. It. Yeah, and yeah. Um, just very kind of. Uh, yeah, we're like we're we're a we're a big touring band. We have loads of fans. Like who who do you think you're having a go at here? <laughs> like Yeah. I'm not the one who should be embarrassed in this conversation. It's you saying One hundred percent. And I also feel like the internet maybe it's because like I think you and I were in our we were preteens by the time Shrek was out. And so like Shrek Mania didn't get me the way it got like eight year olds, you know? Mm. I've got me. Yeah, it's fair. Shrek oh, really? Mania got me. I mean, I I had the Shrek soundtrack. The best. But I think, uh, yes, okay, like Shrek, definitely we were touched by Shrek, but... <laughs> <laughs> but we were I think touched some, by Shrek. We were touched by Shrek, but I think something happened about three years ago on the internet where the kids who were a bit younger than us and who, like, would have had, like, Shrek lunchboxes, Shrek uh-huh. jammies and everything, yeah. they started remembering it again in the way that we remember, like, Aladdin, you know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they remember it in, like, a primordial way, and they all kind of, like, came together to, like, make sexy Shrek and have, uh, like, complete, like... Like, they really came, they came together to be like, now it's our turn to have a memory, and our memory is Shrek. Yeah. And that uh, has nothing to do with us who were 11 and 12 at the time. I yeah. see that as being a very sharp generational difference. Um... And so, and with that came this kind of memification of of All Star by Smash Mouth, of like people covering it in really unexpected, weird ways, and it kind of became a Rick Roll of its own. Yeah, and there were definitely like also videos where it was like, um, "Here's Smash Mouth, but every line is somebody once told me." So it was like, "Somebody once told me, somebody once told me, somebody once told me." I de- like I definitely saw. Definitely saw that a lot. That's my favorite thing Great ever. Joke. Great joke. It's my best, the best joke. Like doing um, the mamas and the papas. Oh yeah, all the leaves are brown. All the leaves are brown. 
All the leaves are brown. All the leaves are brown. <laughs> yeah, funny. Just funny. Um, all right, let's move on. Cotton Eye Joe by Rednecks. By Rednecks. And I think just the novelty song kind of in general. But Cotton Eye Joe, I remember, was a big deal mm. when I was in school discos. That did yes. really well. It's actually an old folk song. There's lots of like lovely Terry mm. Callier does a really beautiful version of it, but it's, it's so uh, that, this is an interesting thing of like a one-hit wonder that isn't a one-hit wonder because it's been around for a really long time. Really long time, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this was like kind of folk dance trancey. I'd put it along the yeah. same bracket as Tell Me Ma, uh, who I actually can't remember who sang Tell Me Ma. You might be able to. It being from again a very old folk song. Yeah. Um, but I can't remember. Yeah, and that God, that fucking yeah disco trance cover. Disco trance folk. Just who wants that? So, what well, we did apparently. We for did a brief, for a time for a again, bit. like ho wop. In the time it takes <laughs> to name it, it moves on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the novelty song. I mean, the novelty song is like a kind of. That's what the one hit wonder. They they are kind of meant for one hit wonders. Um, I just want to like just you know we've we've definitely run way over time, but there's just a couple of like I know there's going to be the thing about one hit wonders is that there's truly no end to them, and I know that mm. many people are going to be you know upset that we didn't include theirs. Yeah. So I'm just going to go through some some memorable ones that Please I want to throw out there. Yeah. Torn by Natalie Imbruglia, like that is an example of a video that made the song as well. Mm. The, the song I think is really beautiful, and it falls into that same Breakfast at Tiffany's category of like feels like really autumnal, beautiful, rich, like feels like a well-made thing. The video, it's her beautiful face and that yeah, hoodie that's hanging off of her. She somehow remained famous while the, um, while the, the no, having no further real output. Yeah, I, 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 I dimly, did she have a song called Caught in the Middle? Was that her? I feel I like, I, yeah, you're right. There's sort of, I remember her releasing other music and every time I... But I she like, went on to, to be the face of beauty campaigns for years. Yeah, I mean, she's a very beautiful woman. So that makes sense. That's good. I am also want to shout out to... Um, I'm Sitting Down Here. Lena Marlin, yeah. Love Lena that song. Lena Marlin. There was yeah. a real kind of slew. And like the Cardigans don't count as a one-hit wonder band. But like, um, you know... But kind Love, of the love Cardigans. 4 was like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but they had a few... They had my favourite game as well. So they don't yes, great technically song. count. And like Sixpence on the Richer, Lena, what was it? Lena, Lena Marlin. Lena Marlin. People who like had these songs that were huge and were very like feminine alternative pop mm. that again, they were creating these songs that did not have a context. A four non blondes. What's going on? Four non blondes. Yeah. Like 100%. But it was like, and this is like maybe specifically we're getting to the to the feminist aspect of this possibly too late in this podcast. But um, the thing of like, it is always so much harder for, you know, women to create individual musical careers mm. in, you know, in that kind of like 80s, 90s sort of label context where there's really no such thing as DIY artists yet in, in mm. a mainstream way. Um, and like, so you get these incredibly sensitive, beautiful, wonderful songs that feel like they should exist as part of a larger category, but don't because it's mm. so hard for women artists like that to sustain anything, you know? Yeah. Or Would like the category, yeah, the category exists, but the cultures that like no label is being like, we're going to put you and you and you together and make a little scene out of this. Whereas like, yeah, now that obviously does exist. Like Phoebe Bridges comes out and then through that, like people start going into Lucy Dacus and Julian Baker and yeah. lots and lots there's like a kind of groundswell of this of 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 
art of artists that even though they're like not the same and are making quite different music that people yeah. will be like oh there's a little um they share an aesthetic yeah they share an aesthetic they share a kind of quality uh and that's and that are able to be marketed together that's yeah. I guess the 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 cold way of looking at it. It's like even though the music might be different and fans of the music might be different. Like I remember interviewing Phoebe Bridges like a long time ago, and her and talking to her about this and her kind of you know rightfully being a little annoyed that she'd get asked. Uh, people would be comparing them, um, being mm, like, "Oh, mm-hmm. this is like," but like it's that comparison has gone away. But the kind of I mean, they're a three good example because they now have a band together. But yeah, there's a. Uh, yeah, this sort of culture emerging that's allowing for a, a more of a conversation between all these different artists and which is, you know, allow, allows for maybe more cut through than there would have been sort of 20 years ago and just all female artists were just expected to be sexy. Yeah, I'm just totally. In, I'm like, de- and demanded to be sexy, I guess. Like Liz Fair would be the other one. Yeah. Bit, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so get like... Yeah, in get, getting Natalie Imbruglia doing Torn felt genuinely exciting because even though she was the most stunning woman who'd ever lived, she was just standing in a flat with a hoodie on and yeah. that felt really exciting In because it wasn't exciting. And yeah, because very, so much yeah. of female artistry was about, you know, yeah, exactly, sex appeal. Um, but yeah, then you think about like Lisa Loeb or was that her name? Lisa or? Loeb. Oh, stay, Loeb. I missed you. Oh God, I love that song so much. How did that song go again? It went... You say, I only hear what I want to. I don't listen hard. Don't pay attention to the systems that are running for anyone, anywhere. I don't understand. If you really care, I'm only hearing negatives. No, 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 no. Oh, so good. So I turn the radio on. I turn the radio up. And this woman was singing my song. You can cut all this. Lovers in love. No, I'm not going to cut away. any of it. Lovers are crying because the others won't stay. Somebody went, na, 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 something who was dying since the day they were born well. <laughs> Wait, not- Ethan Hawke directed that video. And the cat in the video is Ethan Hawke's cat. Wow. There's a little fact for you. I love she, and she is so beautiful in that video as well. And again, like not to like beat the same old drum, but it's like when you have a culture that is designed around like pitting women against each other and making it seem as though there's only one or two opportunities, then like how is there ever going to be creative female community? And so you just have mm. these lone women who are gorgeous singing songs in New York lofts that yeah. are impossible and then never heard from again never because they're murdered there. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> they're left there. They're left there to die. Um... Yeah. Love it. Love it. Another one I can't um I can't just stop press stop on this record until I mention it is Corner Shop, Brimful of Asha. Brimful of Asha, yeah. Maybe my favourite one hit wonder of all time. Yeah. They got two bites at that as well, because I think it was the, Yeah. They released it. If I'm wrong, if I'm right, they released it and it didn't do anything. And then did it get like a Fat Boy Slim remix? That and was that's it. So the it one kind everyone of... knows questionable as to whether it even counts as a one hit wonder because the if you listen to the original it feels wrong because you're the what you're used to yeah. hearing is the Fatboy Slim remix, and Fatboy Slim obviously isn't a one-hit wonder. No. So does it even count? Even Sorry, count. I told a lie there. Brimful of Asha isn't my favorite. What well, my real favorite is, and again, this is not a uh, maybe. This this is a band who've had many tracks and a huge career, and they're still touring. But Hole of the Moon by the Water Boys. Yeah, like Hole of the Moon by the Water Boys is maybe my favorites one of my favorite songs of all time i think just lyrically glorious musically glorious makes me feel all of the emotions all at once and yeah 
I the other day someone was like, "Oh, you should listen to Fisherman's Blues," and I was like, "Oh, I have heard of Fisherman's Blues as like another famous one. Maybe I'll go and listen to it." And like, the whole of the moon is this such a maximalist, beautiful conceit of like these one, these this optimist, this like glass half full and glass half empty person like throwing lines at each other. It's so miraculous that song. Yeah. And then Fisherman's Blues starts off with him going, "Oh, I wish I was a fisherman," and I'm like, "I'm not fucking doing this." You're not, you know, I'm, no, I'm not, I'm not having this. I'm staying in my lane over here with Holding the Moon. Yeah. And like, it's yeah, so people beautiful. love the Waterboys. They they play big gigs. And I, yeah. I, they were playing in Edinburgh the other day and I was really tempted to buy a ticket just to go and listen to Holding the Moon. And then I would yeah. have happily left. Because I think I would, I would weep if I heard that song live. Um, just, just, yeah. to, just to hear and, that, and that's the thing that's why you can't fault the JCB song people for going to the Nisloppy gig no. and for that um, because yeah. I sometimes when when like they say that the only cure for like getting a song out of your head is to <laughs> listen to it over and over again but yeah. when that doesn't work the only cure is to go and see that song played live yeah <laughs> like yeah. You, you need to so um, on that actually so the other one I would throw in is Walking in Memphis um, oh, Mar- yeah. and like obviously Cher covered Walking Walking in Memphis but Mark mm-hmm. Cohn uh, who wrote uh, and released that song first single I think his debut album and it was it was massive it won I think it won a Grammy or nominated for Grammys yeah and then and that that whole album is I think really beautiful loads and he is he's just a brilliant songwriter but I did go and see him um, really important record for me uh, and I think probably for us um, as well Um and by us, you mean you and me. I mean you and me. Um, <laughs> but like a big one for me growing up, I think, like I was saying about Ed Sheeran, learned to song sounds like Luke Concanon from the Zoppy. I do like I do think I've probably nicked how I sing from Mark Cohn. I think he's got this real kind of power in his voice. And um, he was playing at Union Chapel uh, a few years ago, and uh, I went with my brother and my sister. And it was a, there was some like difficult stuff going on in in the family around that time without wanting to get too much into it. And it was like, yeah, I know I'd never do anything with my brother and sister really, just mm. because of geography and and things like this. But we were like, oh, we're all three of us going to see this song, and like we wanted my mum to come, but my mum couldn't come. And I think we were sort of going for my mum. I think we had a ticket for her, and she could, for whatever reason. And uh, he played Walking in Memphis, and he did this big intro to it where he told the whole story he told the whole story about like going down to memphis meeting this woman going down to be to this um being invited to this club playing this piano mm. or the whole true story of that song and then he told he, he talks about it being um having it just having this huge life and he talked about it with such joy and such pride and thankfulness um no shade of bitterness no shade of like but what about all my other songs just like silly so glad mm. to be playing this song and he had a, he nearly died a few years ago mark Cohn. i don't know if you remember this but he got carjacked he got shot in the head fuck um, yeah he got he was really really close to death so i think he's got all that kind of gratefulness about that as well um and he played that song and i i cried my eyes out and i never cry at gigs i know ne- and i cry at films a lot and i i you know cry at emotional things a lot but i very rarely cry at gigs for whatever reason and he was playing that song and everything in my life just sort of coalesced around it and i just was like a wreck for the whole time and like you know me and my brother stayed around afterwards just to say hello to him and got a little selfie with him and he was really nice and funny and Mm. yeah i just think that that song is just perfect really perfect beautiful 
thing that always makes me feel very uh, connected to everybody I love. Is just that close? Is the, is is the is the God's honest truth? I would say, yeah. and uh, and he's not he does he's not mad that it was a one hit wonder, and so I'm not mad that it was a one hit wonder because I think if t- the 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 thing to remember about the one hit wonder is the is the wonder part of it and how wonderful a lot of these songs are, um, and it's even even though they aren't it is used as a bit of a pejorative term. There's no reason for that. And the pejorativeness comes, I think, because people like to knock knock people who maybe don't get as big as as maybe you think they are. It's like when people... Tr- like Dave Grohl says this thing about people having to go at Rick, Ringo Starr for being the, back, the worst drummer in the Beatles. And mm. Dave Grohl's like, he was the drummer in the Beatles. <laughs> like... Yeah. It's... Yeah. It, this, this, that. It's like, he, oh, you just did one hit wonder. It's like, fucking, it sold half a million, half a million people wanted to go and listen to yeah. that song. And, I, I, like, God, like yeah. that, can you imagine that? I mean, you can imagine that, but, like, can, like, <laughs> the, it, it's, it is just wild and, and, and brilliant. It's so, so brilliant and certain something to be celebrated. Yeah. And there's a, and there's, and honestly, with a lot of them, there's a reason. And the reason is, loads of them are bloody good. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Very, I'm very moved by that, Harry. Oh, good, I'm glad. Thank you. <laughs> um, I And yeah, just to, to reiterate, the thing to remember is the wonder. And yeah. like, you know, Spotify will never win. <laughs> <laughs> just... Spotify will never win. Strike from Spotify. Boo. Stri- boo. But like, yeah, it just... I don't know. Yeah, we'll I guess I, I guess I could say any number of things about like music's power to bring us all together, uh, but it wouldn't be as good as whatever you just said because that was beautiful. Um, but I'm very, I'm very uh, happy, and I feel very lucky that music brought us together. Yes, and, and you in, liked in Devin ways, Sproul, and I liked Devin Sproul, yeah. and we went to a Devin Sproul gig. <laughs> and that was the first time we ever hung out, and then like yeah. six weeks later, and we were like twenty two. Uh, so I, you know, I showed up at your like rented house in New Cross with like a four pack of beers and some songs I had written. And we were in a band, you know, arguably we're in a band still. We're still, we just... still in a band. <laughs> Even though we haven't played music together since maybe just before the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but it's but still yeah, there. like I remember, uh, I remember we wrote those songs together and we had some fun with it or whatever and we kind of every now and then we'd play some tiny little pub gig and then I remember when our friend John got ill and we hadn't played anything for a while and I remember you coming over to my house this is probably three or four years after that first time I hung out with you Mm. and you were like we need to talk about something that isn't what's happening to us we need to start writing songs again do you remember that? No, did I do that? You came over to my house in Rotherhithe. I do remember coming to your house in Rotherhithe. Yeah, is that what I did? Yeah, so you wow. did. Yeah, yeah, okay. I remember it so clearly. And um, then it started this new flush of us just writing a bunch of songs and performing them for our friends and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they were really good and as then, well. That's the other thing. Yeah, they were really good. The other thing Very is, at, you guys won't believe this. us, but they were really they good. Were really good. <laughs> Caroline, the finest songwriter of a generation, wasted in literature, really. But there you go. Whatever. 
they won't let me be a rock star, Harry. Why not? Um, but yeah, and then, and but then like, uh, sorry, there's no one asked for this, but I want to talk about it anyway. It's yeah. my podcast, so everyone can fuck off. Um, but uh, then like, you know, going through a few years of that and having an amazing time writing and performing music together, and then you moved to Scotland. I did. And then, and you know, obviously that makes being in a band very hard. Um, <laughs> and you're still in Scotland, which is great for you. I do. I but am. like, and then like, you know, a few years ago we went and we rented a cottage for a week and we wrote a whole EP together. And this thing of just like, it never goes away. And like, mm. when you, the thing you said about wonder makes me think, yeah, it is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it is. Just is. And we're a no-hit wonder. <laughs> we're a no-hit wonder, apart from your thriving literary young adult series. Yeah. And when that gets made into a young adult TV show. And yeah, and then we'll have to record the song, and then and then yeah, or we'll get Jenny Lewis to record the song for us, which would be great. Mega bucks! Oh yeah. my god, we get to meet Jenny Lewis. That'd be sick. Can't wait. That's what it's all leading towards. Um. So, Harry, you are one of these people who, um, uh, on top of being one of my dearest friends, are also uh, someone who like when I'm <laughs> trying to talk to people about why the arts matter. <laughs> you're the you're the, like the case study I cite because I'm like my friend Harry Harris is one of the most gifted musicians who's ever lived and he chooses to spend his time as a musical therapist yeah. uh, and, and like helping people who've experienced deep trauma and are undergoing like enormous sort of you know things in their life yeah. with their health and you educate them through music do you want to tell yeah, us about well, that and about, yeah, about the music of yours that we can find or whatever? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah, well, yeah, I am a music therapist, a qualified music therapist. I, I work in the, uh, the the National Health Service, which is a, a a new thing for me, but a lovely job. I love doing it. Um, and then, yeah, I have you can find the best place. I, all my music is on Bandcamp, and it is on all streaming services apart from Spotify. I just I, I threw a strop with Spotify a few years ago, and now I've decided it's a strike, and I'm striking. <laughs> so. That's that's what I'm doing. I'm going to carry on doing that, and maybe other people will do it too. But you can find it on all the other streaming services, uh, and then yeah, Harry Harris on Bandcamp. I don't have any other, and I'm writing a musical. But that's taking that's that, mm. I've been doing that for six years. So who knows when that will be finished? This is the longest conversation we've had in ages. I know. I can't believe I had to get on your podcast to do it. It's very sad. I know. We should probably <laughs> just hang out more, call each other more, or something. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com